This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling new stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of episode 27, chapter 27 of Insomnia. Parker spends the entirety of this chapter in Addie's dreams. They talk for a bit. He finally kisses her. He tells her about what happened with Dr. Freeberg and his fear that he may have killed him. And then he realizes that he may have to leave her in order to protect her. So he pushes her away and she's really upset. And that's it for your recap of chapter 27. Stick around now for chapter 28 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy. Insomnia, the Nightwalkers. Written by J.R. Johansson. Narrated by Roy Samuelson. 28. The morning sunlight streamed through the blinds of the hospital window. I rolled away from it and tried to close my eyes again, but the image of Addie crying haunted my mind like a ghost, and they flew back open. With every blink, she returned. Her tortured face was imprinted on the insides of my eyelids like an afterimage from looking directly at the sun. I grabbed the remote and adjusted my bed to an upright position. The machines humming in the silence made me shiver. There was only one possible plan at this point. I needed to get home and get to my computer. We're all dangerous. Eddie's words bounced around inside my head. We hurt others all the time without meaning to. Even if you did kill him, you were in a dream. You could never know it would carry over into reality. You'd never hurt someone intentionally. She could be right. I hadn't believed it was possible to hurt a dreamer, and I still didn't know for sure if I did. It didn't matter, though. I'd never try it again. The question was, could I make that kind of promise? Even if I never hurt anyone, how much control did darkness have over me? Could he take over and hurt someone even though I didn't want to? I couldn't risk it. The emails were truly the only thing I could think of, the only way to be certain of his power. Someone else could have created that address to frame me for stalking Mia. Or it could be as I feared. I created it. Darkness created it. Cold sweat ran from my pores at the thought. If I could access the account, if it was a password that only made sense to me, then I'd know darkness was the monster chasing Mia. And I'd have no choice but to deal with the horror I'd become. I looked around at my empty hospital room. Usually I enjoyed being alone, but after Addie's dream, it was like a unified confirmation from everyone in my life that I didn't deserve visitors. Like they all finally understood what I was, and they wanted nothing to do with me. 
It didn't make sense, and I knew they didn't actually feel that way, but a big part of me was starting to believe they should. I tugged off the heart monitors and blood pressure cuff, everything that tied me to this place. The machines went wild, and the door to my room opened. Patty rushed in and gave an aggravated sigh when she realized I'd unplugged everything again. You feel all right? She asked, flipping off the machines beeping around me. Yeah, I'm fine, just tired of being tied down. My door swung open again, and I barely suppressed a groan as Addie stepped through it. Her hair was slightly frizzed on one side, making it obvious she had rolled out of bed and come straight here. Her eyes were red, puffy, and accusing. Of course, the one time when it would have come in handy for someone to forget their dream, it was clear she hadn't. That's fine, Patty was saying. You'll probably be going home in an hour or so anyway. She turned to Addie. Let me know if he has any problems. I snorted at the nurse's choice of words, and she glared at me. I held up my hands in surrender as she walked out the door. We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with the 30-day trial membership. The audiobook I'd like to recommend this episode is The Young Elites by Marie Lu. The Young Elites is about Adelina, a survivor of the Blood Plague. Cast out by her family, Adelina has finally found a place to belong within the secret society of Young Elites. To some, the Elites are heroes, here to save innocents in desperate situations. But to the Inquisition Axis, the white-robed soldiers of Kmetra, they are monsters with demonic powers who must be brought to justice. As Adelina learns more about this perilous world where politics and magic clash, she soon realizes that her own powers may be in danger of bringing on an era of panic such as the world has never seen. So, whether you decide to go with my recommendation of The Young Elites by Marie Lu, or go with another audiobook of your choice, you can get all set up by going to audibletrial.com forward slash riveting raids. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash riveting raids to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you, because we now continue with Insomnia. Silently, Addie pulled a chair next to the bed, but I couldn't meet her eyes. The pain there sent ice shards through my spine and into my heart. For a few agonizing minutes, she didn't say anything. When her voice finally came, it was hoarse and hollow. Don't ever do that to me again. Addie, you don't understand. My words came out more like a groan. I was protecting her, whether she could see it or not. Freebrook was the monster, Parker, not you. Her voice was pleading. You're not even sure if you killed him. And I'm the one who has to live with not knowing Addie, me. I answered firmly, knowing I couldn't let her talk me down again this time. Can you honestly say you'd be fine in my position? She fell silent. I need you to let me figure out things on my own for a bit. I stared at the divots in the white ceiling above me. It doesn't matter whether we're together or not. Addie leaned forward, trying to make me look at her, but I resisted. I knew if I did, it would be much harder not to give in. Parker, you can't run away from this, not from me. I gathered all the strength I had and withdrew all emotion from my eyes. If I had to hurt Addie to protect her, I would. Turning, I stared her straight in the eye. There is nothing between. The door to my room opened and my mom walked in with a stack of papers in her hands. She was followed by a much older man in a long white coat. I thought I had seen him in one of my hazy awakenings. 
Oh, hello, Addie. My mom actually winced when she glanced at her. Oh, no, honey, you haven't been here all night, have you? Addie patted one side of her hair and shook her head. All at once, she seemed embarrassed. On the verge of tears, she reached down and squeezed my hand with a frown and a slight shake of her head. The message was clear. We weren't done. She glanced at my mom, then hurried from the room. Mom raised her eyebrows at me, but I shrugged. She smiled, and her entire body lit up. Good news, she indicated the doctor. Dr. Reese says you're ready to come home now. Dr. Reese walked over to the bed. He lifted up a miniature flashlight and checked my eyes. Then he hit my knees with his ridiculous little hammer. My leg jerked on command. As he spoke, he pulled off a couple heart monitors, removed my IV, and used a wrap and a cotton ball to stop the bleeding. Are you feeling any pain, champ? I flinched. I hadn't been called champ since I was about six. The man meant well, but it grated on my already raw nerves. I just needed to get out of here. Just a headache. He nodded and looked me over one more time. That's to be expected. He turned back to mom and signed one of the papers she held. He should probably stay down and rest for another week or so, keep the strain on his body to a minimum while his brain recovers. I stifled a laugh, and Mom sent me a look. My sense of humor was becoming as twisted as the rest of me. Sounds doable. Mom shook his hand, and he headed out the door before she turned back to me. Ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Sucking in a lungful of air, I ignored the ripple of terror that moved from my brain to my spine. This was it. I stood up from the bed, forcing my feet to move. Mom stood in the hall while I got dressed and gathered my stuff. A giant bulldozer of pain crushed me when I picked up the get well card from Addie and Finn. It was time to stop hiding from my own worst enemy, myself. I needed to know if I was responsible for the threats Mia had received. Whether I'd killed Dr. Freeberg or not, I would find out if I had the strength to keep darkness at bay to keep control. If I didn't, then I had to be stopped. I faced the empty hospital room one final time, and with a heavy sigh, I clicked off the light. Thanks for listening to the Rivening Reads podcast, season one, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson and welcome to the authorly insights section on chapter 28. Somehow in human nature, we have very polarized tendencies. When people are in the most serious trouble, they tend to do one of two things. They turn to those they love, or they push them away. The second option, while definitely less healthy for everyone involved, seems to be as common, or possibly even more common than the first. I think it is often because of pride, but there are a lot of reasons for it. With Parker, it is done out of love, but I also think there is some pride involved as well. He doesn't want those he loves to remember him as a monster, if that is what he discovers himself to be. He doesn't want them to have to face the awful truth that he is facing himself. He also wants to keep them safe. From a purely logical point of view, he should be asking for help from anyone who can give it to him. 
but there is nothing logical about the mindset that Parker is in at this point. He's so far down the rabbit hole that it's hard for him to tell up from down, let alone what is reasonable versus unreasonable. He is operating solely on instinct and whatever moral code he has left and hoping that somehow it will land him on the right side of his own story. Often, I think that's the best each of us can hope for. And that's it for the Atherly Insight section on chapter 28. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.